Thanks everyone for tuning in to Youth Move Colorado's podcast. Today we have another Youth Move Colorado fellow here to talk about everything from self-care to their own advocacy journey. The material and information presented here is provided by lived experience youth and for general information purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are of the guests of our podcast own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of youth move. This is Ella. Hello, Ella. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So would you be okay with starting off talking about like how you got involved with Youth Move Colorado, kind of what you do with our organization, how that's impacted your advocacy journey, and what advocacy looks like to you? Yeah, so I believe I started with Youth Move Cal just as an attendee, either right before or during quarantine. Clem sent me the link that she sent to Facebook. I was like, hey, you should check this out. And I was you know, working on getting more involved with advocacy work, becoming more self-aware in that sense. And I was like, oh, this seems, you know, really cool. I didn't actually realize the grasp of, of that Youth Move Co. had. I guess the, the close that they had until I got into a meeting and there was over 50 people from across the state hopping on to this. And, you know, in the past, you can sign up for clubs at school and you'll see people who are like, yeah, you know, we're going to make change, you're going to make a difference, and it's just some people sitting in a classroom talking about ideas that no one ever really connects, you're not seeing any effort, you just feel like you're running in a circle, and with youth moves, it was incredibly empowering to be a part of this actually very powerful movement in a way that really sought to allow you to speak out their own leadership, to take initiative, to really have their voices heard because they were the ones directing it. And not only that, but when I first got on, they informed us that they were, for example, if there was a grant that was accepted by the state or approved by the state and directed toward, you know, youth crisis housing, we would be the advisors for that. They're asking you, where do they want this money to go? And actually taking what we said for more than a year ago, we are actually taking and implementing action, which for me was awesome and amazing and something you really don't see happening. Awesome. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about this work, too. I wanted to start moving into kind of like policy-based social work uh, once I finished school. So it's so great to be able to be in those spaces, use your voice and use your lived experience to make youth voices heard. Thank you for sharing. So you also mentioned uh, that you have a special focus on assisting transition-aged youth as they kind of venture into the adult world. Could you tell me a little bit about where that focus comes from and kind of elaborate on like, what that means to you? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting living in the generation that we do because a lot of, like, I would say it's a very common experience, especially for people who have experience relating to mental health, that they feel like they grew up too fast. They feel like, in, especially when it comes to trauma, either cycles were stopped or ended, um, your access to inner child work was cut off, your access to sense of self, um, you felt like you had to be an adult to take care of yourself. And so one way or another, that transition is disrupted. So this idea of a healthy transition from, you know, around the age of 18, 19, you know, whatever works for you, transitioning from, you know, being very dependent on your family, particularly in the United States, it's a very Western idea of being very super independent and just going out on your own. You go from like being hyper-dependent to solely self-sustaining all these things. I'm like, that that's impossible right now. 
not in our economy, not in our society, especially when we feel so disconnected and we're systematically taught to be disconnected from each other. And so with me, um, actually my major is focusing on social policy and work too for this reason is I was so tired of feeling like I was studying the system sucks, the system sucks, and never looking at how we're finding each other, how we're feeling, how people are finding joy. And so for me, working with transitional youth and not even just feeling confident in how they're going about this, because no one knows how to do taxes or feel confident that you filled out your W-4s correctly, but also knowing that there's someone there who understands and can tell you on the other side of it that, yeah, it's scary, but you'll be okay. Uh, regardless of whether you have difficulties at home, regardless of if you have issues with mental health, because it can be very stigmatizing to say, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have this, and people don't realize how that completely changes your worldview when you go into the world every day and how that impacts like daily interactions. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another thing that I love about our organization is like, we use peer support and we talk about the importance of that all the time like who better to support a young person in transition than another young person in transition because we are youths until we're 25 I'm still a youth (laughs) getting close but absolutely so could you talk a little bit about self-care and kind of how that fits into your work what your favorite forms of self-care are what kind of your journey to recognize the importance of self-care? Yeah, so that has been a major theme for me for the past six months because I went from being the hyper-focused student that was constantly waking up early, staying up late, doing all the activities, doing all the things. And then it's not that I burnt out per se, but I was starting to realize the soul it was taking on my body in the way that you know, as I figured out more about myself and I needed time to process those things and I had the space to be myself, I was like, wow, what? And people would say, take care of yourself. And suddenly I was like, what does this mean? What does that look like? And something I've come across a lot as, you know, because I'm a big fan of retail therapy. Big fan. I should not be. I'm a young adult living in New York. I should not be. But New York. I didn't know you were in New York. I'm you know, from Colorado and I still work most of my, if not all of my advocacy work is out in Colorado. But I've been living here for school. Um, But again, it's incredibly expensive. And so something that really caught my attention was I was reading this one creator talk about um, community care as opposed to self-care. And I was like, how does this work? And they're like, why isn't that self-care is what you're taught to do is buy backgrounds, face masks, little treats for yourself. And to help yourself feel better, even temporarily, like that's your special moment. I'm like, why is it not? going to social dances, reaching out to a friend and going for coffee, making plans, doing these things. And yes, you should have your own alone time to be with yourself and learn to be with yourself. But also there's such a beautiful source of healing almost and wellness that comes from looking for care and building community. And so that's that's something I really would like to focus on in my work is teaching people how to connect again because I think that is something we all struggle with. Um, self-care for me is I think with ADHD, I struggle with inconsistency. So adding degrees, like some things that I can rely on in my routine. So like making sure that my body is nourished. However, that means is that, you know, having a snack tray of these sticks, fruits, veggies, and it may not look like a meal, but I'm getting all the things I need. Is it 
how the pandemic negatively affected how we socialize. Do you find that kind of since then you've your appreciation for community and for the need to, you know, have good social health? Do you feel like that's had a positive change? I think it might have for me. I can see where I'm coming from. I was fortunately in a very privileged position. I had family working in healthcare. I very quickly transitioned to online education. I was not working. Um, I was not an essential worker at the time. And my friends and I became very creative in terms of how we went about that. So like, I know for one, we would meet in the parking lot of my mom's job every Thursday and pick up coffee from the place. And then I'd leave the coffee next to her car and we would just sit like a good distance and just talk for a few hours and like put that separation or there's all kinds of examples. I think it's still, I'd say the repercussions of it and the fact that at my school, the teachers talk about all the time, how the hallways used to be filled with people, filled with activities, filled with having things happening. And now they're struggling and constantly asking us, what can we do to bring you back here? What can we do to keep you from the virtual classes and have you here again? And there's, I will say that there's nothing like in-person connections there is something beautiful about being able to maintain a connection with someone virtually. Um, but to me, the pandemic was very eye-opening in terms of realizing just how isolated we have become as people, like how we don't did not really know how to organize and achieve goals as a collective. Because like you could see efforts, you could see that people were trying to do a supply drive and set up systems of care and it just was not happening because we don't know and so for me if anything it was more of an inspiration to take more of a hands-on approach to recognizing how community can be protected and encouraged because the first step to community is recognizing that you share space and how we like for example just a great example is on the subway how many people have your same hair color how many people are wearing the same kind of shoes you you have this incredibly niche mutual experience of having bought the shoes, having chosen to wear them on the same day at the same time in the same place as you. It was really fun. But the pandemic was, it was interesting because you had to learn. I'm just thinking about all the little kids who could not learn how to read face like friends. And like how crazy that was for teaching kids to socialize. And how there's this whole joke about like pandemic babies. And I'm still kind of excited per se, but wondering how they're going to turn out. And it's like that degree of socialization is so necessary for us as people because we're social creatures. I I feel like I'm not the best person to ask about that because I was in a position where, you know, I could still see people and I wasn't fully at risk and I didn't have someone who was like, oh, I'm at home. But it's- and you have to get creative though, you yeah. know? I think last question, if you could have like one piece of advice for someone who's maybe just getting into self-care, maybe doesn't know what they need, and who might not be totally comfortable with like going out and meeting people and the social side of things. Oh, that's a good one. Um, here, I'll ask you this. What was your, like, what's, when you think of self-care, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? For me, um, my cat is my self-care, totally like emotional support animal reading. That's for me, that's my form of self-care. No, I, yeah, my cat is my child. I love her so much. I, I agree. Um, I would just say going off of that, think about, you know, I, as with ADHD, I struggle with the hyperfixations. And so something I struggle with a lot is not having things that bring me comfort. Like I don't have a favorite show. I don't have a favorite tea or something that resembles comfort for me. It's always changing. And so really sitting with yourself and thinking about what could come for me right now. 
like doing a quick body scan and recognizing where is this need that I'm feeling? Is it a texture? Is it a food? Is it a person? Is it what is it that I need right now? And looking to not ignore it, but how can I embrace it almost? So if it's like your inner child, and you can look up signs of like inner child needing visibility, or you're feeling, you know, like you're craving something warm. Like what does that mean to you? I don't know. I think the best piece of advice I have for people, regardless of the anxiety or lived experience, is learning to ground. Not meditation, not yoga, learning to ground and be physically in your body is the very first step because learning to be present is something that's incredibly difficult right now. We're always planning for the future, but sitting with yourself, realizing where your emotions are sitting in your body, where you're physically at, and going from there because even like just the first step of healing emotions in the first place is where is it in your body? What is that telling you? And so that's, that's with, that would be my advice is looking up some simple grounding techniques, simple breathing techniques, and some, just learning to be in your body. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ella. Um, yeah, thank you. Do you have anything to add that we didn't chat about already or anything um, that you want to, I don't know. <laughs> I think that there has to be, I, there's this very something that I've come across a lot is this very white centric idea of and it's not like shame on that, but there's this very white centric idea of health and self care, which is like do yoga, do meditation, do the journaling, and that is not going to work for everybody. Um, for some people, it could be cooking a dish that they grew up with in their home country and have the ingredients for here, or finding a way to go about that. It could be social, like listening to music and dancing with people who you know, come from a similar cultural background. It can be anything, but there has, like, people should learn to embrace this idea of cultural competency almost, because when you look at trauma-informed peer support, actually, you know this, like, with the social policy, you have to look at this idea of cultural and generational competency and realizing, like, what these experiences bring into their approach to self-care. And so I would say that's the last thing I'd tag on to that. Yeah, great point. The idea of self-care and just mental health in general has absolutely become white-centric and commercialized, too. When we're talking about self-care, the you know, you've said it already, the face mask and get a mani-pedi. It's not going to work for everybody. Yeah, great insight. Thank you. So All right. Are you also a youth move fellow? No, I'm not. Um, I'm an America Vista uh, serving with Youth Move Colorado. Oh, right on. Yeah, for like another 20 days, (laughs) almost at the end of my service year. Thanks so much for joining us, Ella, and for chatting about self-care. So, okay.